pushing us into making illogical, irrational decisions. There was no such thing as stock in the Pleistocene era. George Lowenstein, professor of economics and psychology at Carnegie Mellon, points out. But human beings are pathologically risk-averse. A lot of the mechanisms that drive our emotions aren't really that well adapted to modern life. I prefer my dad's version. The observation that modern-day humans are pathologically risk-averse does not, needless to say, mean that this has always been the case. In fact, it might even be argued that those of us today who are clinically risk-averse, those of us, for instance, who suffer from chronic anxiety, simply have too much of a good thing. During the time of our ancestors, the existence of individuals who were hypervigilant to threat may well, evolutionary biologists suggest, have been decisive in the fight against predators. And from this point of view, anxiety would undoubtedly have served as a considerable adaptive advantage. The more sensitive you were to rustlings in the undergrowth, the more likely you would have been to have kept yourself, your family, and your extended group members alive. Even today, anxious individuals are better than the rest of us at detecting the presence of threat. Slip an angry face in amongst a display of happy or neutral faces on a computer screen, and anxious people are far faster at picking it out than those who are non-anxious. Not a bad ability to fall back on, should you happen to find yourself alone at night and wandering around an unfamiliar neighbourhood. Being anxious can sometimes be useful. The notion that mental disorder can occasionally come in handy can sometimes confer extraordinary outlandish advantages, as well as inordinate distress on its sufferers, is hardly new, of course. As the philosopher Aristotle observed more than 2,400 years ago, there was never a genius without a tincture of madness. In most people's minds, this link between genius and madness is probably most apparent, thanks to the box office success of the films Rain Man and A Beautiful Mind, when it comes to autism and schizophrenia. In his book, The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat, the neurologist and psychiatrist Oliver Sacks reports a famous encounter with the twins. Profoundly autistic John and Michael, then 26, were living in an institution. When a box of matches spilled onto the floor, both of them simultaneously called out, 111. As Sacks gathered up the matches, he started counting. On a similar note, the well-worn stereotype of the brilliant but tortured artist is also not without foundation. The painter Vincent van Gogh, the dancer Václav Nijinsky, and the father of game theory, of which, more later, John Nash, were all psychotic. Coincidence? Not according to Jabolsh Kiri, a researcher at Semmelweis University in Budapest, who appears to have uncovered a genetic polymorphism associated with both schizophrenia and creativity. Kiri has found that people with two copies of a particular single-letter DNA variation in a gene called neuregulin-1, a variation which has been previously linked to psychosis, as well as poor memory and sensitivity to criticism, tend to score significantly higher 
on measures of creativity compared with individuals who have one or no copy of the variation. Those with one copy also tend to be more creative, on average, than those without. Even depression has its advantages. Recent research suggests that despondency helps us think better and contributes to increased attentiveness and enhanced problem-solving ability. In an ingenious experiment, Joe Forgas, professor of psychology at the University of New South Wales, placed a variety of trinkets, such as toy soldiers, plastic animals and miniature cars, near the checkout counter of a small stationery store in Sydney. As shoppers made their way out, Forgas tested their memory, asking them to list as many of the items as possible. But there was a catch. On some days, the weather was rainy, and Forgas piped Verdi's Requiem through the storm.